Excellent. All right, so let's get started. So welcome, everyone, to this week's speaker series. It's been a while since we've had one. Uh, we've had I've been away from the office for a bit, lots of conferences and stuff, but again, we're glad to be here and glad to be joined today by Art De Gaetano. Art is the CIO and founder of Brahms Hill Investment. Art, thank you for joining us this week. Thank you for having me. Art, so you are a fixed income manager, which is perfect. Uh, we get you the day after Jay Powell had some comments. Uh, the markets reacted to it. What are your thoughts? Let's start off with, with, with Jay Powell yesterday. Thoughts on his comments? Did it change anything in your view? Um, did it alter your perception of what the forward path of monetary policy was going to be in the United States? Just give us your overall thoughts. Sure. Yeah, you know, our, our view is that the uh, 7 8% percent type of inflation uh, figures are going to come crashing down to you know, between four and five pretty quickly, but that you're going to start getting stuck between three and four-ish, let's say, sometime in the first quarter. Um, so with that, you know, anything in fixed income, we just think is a range trade. So, you know, our, our I guess, forward guidance view is the 10-year will be between 350 and 450. We're at the low end of the range, so we'd be a seller of duration here. Um IG five to seven percent, preferred six to eight percent, and let's call the range of high yield eight to ten. So I say all this in the sense that we're looking at a three to five percent inflation world. Um, given what he said yesterday, you know everyone's on this uh, Fed pivot and they're going to break something. Nothing really seems broken. I mean, high yield spreads are at four fifty. Seems pretty normal to us. Um, you know, equities are doing well. I think if asset prices or asset classes in general rebound here, that's not really um, in the break zone or going to help bring down inflation. So um, our humble view is the market's misreading it. But I think there's some technicals between large short positions and futures market and the governments and um, a lot of tax loss selling having been done. So you're seeing the equity market, um, you know, definitely respond to that. So we're not equity people, but my guess is you'll see some chasing here. So where we are, we're, um, you know, moderately positioned long. I mean, we're long only. We're not, we're not running shorts right now. Mm -hmm. um, on 4.3 billion, we're still about a billion seven now uh, in short-term treasuries where at least we're earning 4%. Um, but we're invested, you know, and, and when we see something opportunistically, you know, we go after it. So the last month, People have been saying, well, what have you bought? And we've bought um, three-year GM finance paper at 6%, some three-year UBS senior unsecured at six and a quarter. Um, we bought 30-year Oracle bonds, 65 cents on the dollar, 7%. 30-year Boeings, 64 cents on the dollar. So we've been making some investments. But if things continue to rally, you're going to see us move into more liquidity. So we're 100% opportunistic in nature. Um, you know, we have our own money in the funds. I don't like putting up losses. Um, this year we're doing better than most, but at the end of the day, you know, I think uh, we're excited because we'll run probably a 7% coupon annualized for the next two, three years. And I guess the, the one thing I'd say about the rate market to us, the two and three year treasury between four and four and a quarter as of this morning Mm -hmm. You know, still, still telling you rates are going to be high a while out. So we're not a believer of this massive inversion. 
Um, Fed's still going to move to five in our view. And, um, you know, our guess is some of the back end of the curve, once the technicals clean up, will move higher again. Right. So these are all some good points. So let's drill down on some of them. Right now, the market is telling you that Fed funds futures are going to be that pretty soon after they raise to close to five. I think they actually, they, they sort of migrated a bit lower here over the last couple of days, around 4.9 now, what the market's expecting the Fed funds futures to be. The market thinks the Fed's going to be cutting rates next year. Um, what's your view on that? It sounds like you don't really agree. I think anything that we've been buying in the last few months or underwriting, if you want to call it, we've been buying based on we think that's trading at a recession price. Um, you know, our view is earnings are going to is going to come down, but I'm not sure how much sense it would make for the for um, equities to be rallying, credit spreads to be tight, you know, more or less where they are in the world to be good. And then the Fed would start cutting rates. So. I think you have to see some sort of um, credit drawdown. And mm -hmm. just when you were, if you look at the underlyings, you know, in a typical recession, high yield trades, eight, 800 to 1,000 spread. The index, unlike, let's say, 10 years ago, has double the amount of double Bs and about 60% less triple Cs. So we think if you saw some sort of recession, spreads would move out to about 700, 750. But- right. You know, look, we haven't seen anything materially change yet. You know, even Friday, tomorrow's unemployment numbers probably, you know, they're performing plus 200. I mean, you, I, our view is you have to see significant, you know, five and a half, six type of unemployment figures, 6%, for it to really warrant a cut. So I guess our view is a little bit contrary to the market. Um, again, we're long positioning. Last month we had a you know good month, two and a half percent month, so we're not underperforming, but um, definitely like liquidity. And uh, you know, I, again, people that do work on us, you would, um, you know, when we have conviction, we go after things. You know, last week uh, Lincoln National, big U.S. insurance company, came with a billion dollars of preferreds. Um, you know, we bought about 120 million of these no victory lap. They're up five points. The point is, if you have liquidity and you see something, you can make an allocation. But we're not feeling pressure here to chase anything. And, and maybe that's not the market spirit, but that's at least the way we're um, preparing our portfolio. Right, right. And if you do see inflation, let's say, falling quickly down to four to five, but then sort of stalling out around the three to four area, is that... That, that doesn't seem to me to be a place where the Fed's going to be cutting rates. That's the case, right? If anything, I, 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 they'll be holding steady. If anything, they might start raising rates again at some point, uh, perhaps higher, right? So yeah, um, we, would, we would agree with you. And, and I, I think, you know, again, the numbers, remember, they're year, year over year is what everyone talks about. So even if you were to get down to that, you know, two, three level, it's not as if we retraced all the damage that was done this year. So it's going to be very interesting. Um, again, it, it, you know, there's things that are strange to us. I mean, they, no one talks about QT. Every Fed meeting, you don't hear a word about QT. I mean, the Fed went from 15 years being a buyer to a seller, mm -hmm. and they're telling you about pain, but no one really is experiencing this pain. I mean, I know there's losses in portfolios, but you know, these aren't like the great financial crisis or some other backups that we've had. So, um, yeah, we're a little bit uh, surprised, but 
you know, again, even with our liquidity position, we're running about a 530 coupon with a 2.9 duration. You know, our invested capital is about a 710 yields, and that's a 3.5 duration, all IG on average. So I think we're okay for a rally, but this, this year forward, People getting excited about fixed income, and we're not trying to sound too bearish. I don't know that there's a lot of total return here, but there's really good coupon. And we haven't been able to run a seven type of yielding portfolio on an annualized basis for probably six or seven years. So when we look forward, you know, we're probably going to do that for two, three years. I mean, you're going to compound at a 20 number, 20% return just on coupon alone. So, you know, I wouldn't be in lower tier private credit. That seems to be mismarked still. Um, but at least what we're in, um, we're, we're pretty comfortable. And if rates go up, we're, as I mentioned, when we first met, um, you know, we have about a, a third of our portfolio in, in floating rate back-end investment grade preferreds. And these all float off of treasuries anywhere from plus 400 to 500 basis points. So you're getting you know, seven, eight percent current yields. And if they don't get called in a year, in two or three years, then they float off treasuries at four or five hundred. So very attractive. If rates stay low here, you win. And if rates move up, you're either going to get annualized eight to nine to a call or you're going to jump to an eight or nine coupon. So I think there's opportunities here to generate some extra um, I hate using the word alpha, but some principal return in what might be a sideways fixed income market. Yeah, we, we, we sort of tend to agree with you there. I think it's going to be all about carry in the fixed income space rather than much spread tightening there. Um, yep. So Art, let's talk about, because your, your fund, uh, your group and your fund just got recently improved on the platform. So maybe, because you're at your core, obviously your PM, let's talk a little bit about uh, Tell us a little bit about the fund. Give a little bit of background and history for those that might not be familiar with the name. And then maybe afterwards you can, I mean, you sort of already started talking about some of your holdings, but give us an overall macro view of what your uh, uh, positioning looks like right now. Sure. So, um, you know, very quickly, I've personally been uh, in the fixed income market for 30 years. Uh, My first 13 of my career was at Bear Stearns. I, I was managing investment grade debt. And then the last four years, I was managing the high yield trading effort globally. Um, after that, I went to RBS to manage credit trading for two years for the Americas. Um, mm-hmm. That was probably about a four and a half billion dollar um, mandate across IG, high yield, and then credit derivatives. And then late 07, I joined GLG Partners. Um, their New York office to manage a credit portfolio for one of the larger equity funds they had. Um, Come December 08, I was up about 3.8%, which wasn't great, but very good for the environment. The gentleman who founded GLG um, seeded this strategy today um, at GLG with a $100 million SMA of his own money. Um, So that's why the strategy track record starts in Jan 09. The first uh-huh. three years, first three years were at GLG, and then we launched Bramsell. Um, you know, the tra- strategy is is really my my credit background. Let's say IG and and high yield. Um, we don't do any distressed. We had, don't have any EM. Um, then we also look at preferreds and municipals. So it's really credit preferred municipal and 
you're able to run, even though it's a long only strategy, you're able to really miss drawdowns and move your book around. You know, you can be in a floating rate preferred is going to mm -hmm. trade differently than a 10 year muni or a double B 10 non call five high yield bond. So um, we've been able to fortunately kind of miss significant drawdowns. I think when you compare us to, you know, very good firms, Guggenheim, BlackRock, Pimco, we do very well there. But about a third of our clients have us in their hedge fund bucket, just simply because most of your hedge funds, not only the fees, but they're trying to run long short and they pay away their carry, right? So we're long biased. We like running coupon. I think here, as you said just a few minutes ago, um, carry is going to be very important. And I think it's going to be powerful the next you know, two, three years in a portfolio, right? I mean, this isn't a 20% return portfolio. This is six, six, six to 8% net of fees annualized. Try not to lose any money. And um, when there's opportunities and you're convicted and you get through that process, you know, a process, you go through it. But um, I'd say one of the keys in our firm um, is, is what we call the bullpen. So just the way a pro athlete practices six, seven hours a day, um, we're doing prep work on investments. We have about 89 uh, investment potentials in our bullpen now. And it's very powerful because when you're prepared to buy something at a, at a price you think has a low drawdown, and then the opportunity comes, we can move very quickly. Um, you know, and um, that bullpen came into effect pretty significantly in April and May of 20, um, where we were buying, you know, Macy's secured debt and things like that, that we had been studying for two, three years. Um, so the prep work's important. Uh, intellectual capital is important. I mean, I'm very lucky. There's out of the 28 people in the firm, 17 of them are on the investment team with me. And I sit on a trading desk in all three offices. So just keeps you very sharp. I mean, I'm uh, investing every day. So we're probably marketing light, if you want to call it. Um, and maybe that's why a lot of people don't know us yet. But, um, you know, we're... Uh, um, yeah, very focused on making returns and, and maybe uh, not as much on raising the capital. But I'm glad we're on your platform and thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Uh, and, and Art, let's let's maybe take a little bit of a step back. There's 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 good arguments out there. I'm not saying that they're necessarily going to come true, but there's there's definitely a compelling argument that we are entering a a like an environment where inflation is going to be systematically higher than it has been over the previous, you know, 10, 20 years. Um, even, I mean, you can almost go back to 1983 with that peak in the uh, tenure. Um, what are the arguments or how are you as a manager, let's say we are going into an area where rates, let's say, will be systematically higher than they've been. I'm not saying inflation is going to be at 7-8% for the next 10 years. That's clearly too disruptive. But we're talking about perhaps slightly higher inflation. Let's say 3%, what you talked about. That Sure. You know, inflation can come down between three and four percent, but then to get it really back down to two percent, it will probably cause us or probably take a severe recession uh, for the Fed to engineer to get back down there. Uh, what do you recommend and what are you doing? But what do you recommend to fixed income investors to kind of mitigate that risk? I know you talked about it a little bit with the floating rates, which makes sure. sense. Yeah. But what else are you doing? Um, yeah. You know, like, for example, like, are you going to be keep, keeping duration? systematically shorter than you have been over the previous 10, 15 years? I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So 
look, I, I, again, I think we think about our personal money, investors' money. It's all it's all the same. You're put, trying to put up a return in where you have core competency. Um, I would not put capital to work anywhere less than 250 basis points over inflation rate. So that in that zone, we'd be in very front end, one year, two year corporates that are probably off of a four and a quarter one year note or four and a half where the Fed's going to be. Right. And, you know, you'd be running five and a half, six percent and you'd say, OK, inflation's at three. And that's where I'm going to sit, because we think anything tighter than that would be dangerous to be in that would have any sort of tail. Now, I'll talk out of both sides of my mouth here. Um, 30 year duration corporates. We bought about 80 million, 85 million about three weeks ago. We were probably ready to buy a half a billion. And we were waiting for them to come down a little bit more. And then you had this little snap, you had this snapback, right? right? So if you can buy 7% IG, 60, 65 cents on the dollar, and these are all like 4% type coupons. But what's interesting is when, when things trade that low dollar price, the street starts trading them on, on a dollar price, not so much right. spread of treasuries. Yeah. So they become more like a uh, zero coupon bond. You know, those at 7% where you're almost eliminating credit risk, like just the oracles, for example, you have to go take a $180 billion equity market cap, take it to zero. The credit derivatives market is pricing default at 97 recovery. So I have to lose 30 points there. You know what I mean? Like you, you can yeah. say, I'm going to get a 7% yield, have no credit risk. That's kind of attractive. Um, the floating rates are going to be very interesting here. They went down eight to 10 points when the preferred market was down 20 and perpetuals with fixed or long durations were down 30%. Those had, did not move down in October and they're moderately higher here. But again, if you run the scenario analysis, you know, you're getting eight to 10%. So again, over inflation, I think right. you're okay. The dangerous part and what we would avoid is um, longer fixed duration. That seems to be not priced properly here. And I'm, I'm more the par type of uh, equivalence. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what I'd also say is, um, you know, you look at high yields and I think people think of last year high yield at four and a quarter. They look at the market now at 850 on the index and they go, wow, that's pretty cheap. I mean, it's not that cheap if inflation's down to three or four, because you're going to get an eight and, a, eight and a quarter, eight and a half. If you're a taxable investor, you're going to pay taxes on that. If you're not a taxable investor, a lot of those companies, not the next year, but two, three years out, are going to have a very tough time with the maturity wall. So you're probably good for the next year until you start seeing some. Um, new issue repricing that pushes the market out. Um, but look, to your point, we're not seeing a default cycle coming here. Um, I think it's more, um, you know, don't be greedy, get a good yield, be in li liquidity. So if there is something that does break, you can, you can jump on it quick. So look, we might sound boring here. For us, it's as simple as this. If everything rallies, we're going to raise more front end you know, cash and, and front end treasuries and short corporates. And if things back up, we're going to pick a whole bunch of names out of our bullpen that we feel have low, low draw, drawdown probability. And we're going to run a bigger yield than seven. And that's 
kind of where we are right now. And you're going to so, be funding it from your maturities that are your short-term maturities, right? I'm assuming. Yeah. That, that and also these shorter liquidities that we have, these one, two, three-month treasuries. Right, um, right. You know, a year ago, I think, um, luckily, none of our clients you know, get mad at us where we are. They know we move our book around and we protect risk um, and that we're opportunistic. But a year ago, if you would have said to someone you were 40% in short-term treasuries, they would have been really annoyed. Now, I mean, I think we're averaging as of this morning, uh, you know, a, a 414 yield on that bucket. Yep. So versus current inflation is not great, but there, it's a position, right? And it, and it gives us a lot of flexibility um, to go on the offensive. But uh, yeah, I, I think you're, I were in, in more the camp you're referring to where Inflation's going to be sticky, and I don't think it's as easy as it goes to two, and then the Fed's cutting rates, and there's a huge party here. Um, I think you have to do your work and be disciplined, and uh, not be afraid in the uglier periods. Yeah, guy, guy, agree. Some, some, some bigger houses have have come up with pretty bullish, uh, I think, high conviction bullish calls on investment grade and 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 longer duration. And I think it's, I think it's, I think, like I agree with you, I think it's a bit premature for that. They're definitely more appealing than they were a year ago, certainly. But that doesn't mean that they can't get uh, slightly worse. You have another ramp up. Um, let me ask you this: You mentioned preferreds. You mentioned munis. Give us, give us, give us your thesis on those two uh, asset classes. Uh, perhaps those are two that some of our uh, guys might not be as familiar with, but we agree with you, especially on the preferreds. Um, uh, give us sort of your your thesis behind yeah. both of those investments. Sure. So. Um, I would just say this, municipals um, are a rarity for us to invest in, meaning you know, way back when, when uh, in 11, there was a, a young lady, Meredith Whitney, who put a sell in the muni market and really broke the muni market. So we had moved about 70% of our portfolio into double A secured munis that were almost the same yield as the high yield taxable index with triple C's in it, right? Um, munis to us are just a mispriced asset class. I mean, they're through inflation break-evens. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't put my own capital for 10 years locked up at three and a quarter where a double A muni is today. I think you can go, if you're a taxable person, um, the preferred market QDI is taxed at the corporate dividend rate. So you can easily get a good 250 to 300 basis points of after-tax yield <laughs> in JP Morgan risk, things yep. like that. So, um, and, and have almost a, an inflation hedge with, with the structure. Um, so munis, I wouldn't talk about much. We're, we're tactical in some closed-end funds. Um, Year-end tax was selling just reoccurred. We had some, about a 4%, 4.5% position this month, those went up about 7%. You'll see us pair those. Mm -hmm. um, there's specific funds that we do. We break down the portfolios in so we can get um, you know, tactical in those. But I'd say munis, you won't hear us talk about for a long time. Preferreds are a very interesting space. Um, I think if you went through the great financial crisis, people think about preferred as this toxic part of the cap structure. But if you run correlations from 2010 to just last month, we do it every month in our, in our monthly risk meeting, um, highly correlated to rates, much less correlation to credit and equity markets. So you really have to get your structure right and your rate direction correct there. 
but um, none of these are um, similar to the European preferreds, the cocos, which are convertible into equity. These are pure subordinated parts of investment grade cap structures. Um, we're, we're probably a top 15 player in that space. I mean, it's an $800 billion market. There's some, um, most of our competitors are these long only mutual funds like Cohen and Steers. You know, mm -hmm. they tend to be long at the top and long at the bottom. I mean, we don't have to be in the space. We find it very attractive though. Um, the index right now we think is rich, about 250 basis points through high yield. That's about a two and a half, that's about a two standard deviation um, richness historically. But that's why we're very particular where we are. We're in these back end floats. It's almost like a subsector of the market. Right. Um, and this stuff is liquid. Look, we're, we run, you know, liquid funds, right? So, I mean, I can move, we can move out of this very quickly. Um, same salespeople that cover PIMCO and BlackRock and Appaloosa cover us and all these desks. So we're, we probably punch higher than our AUM weight. Um, but that's a good space. We like that space. We like it for the credit risk and we, we like it for the, um, for the structures that you can get into. Uh, outside of that, double Bs are, are a little interesting in here. You know, there's about um, 16 of them now in our bullpen. Um, the two we bought recently that uh, yield between seven and a half and eight percent. These are four or five year duration securities. So you could see them in the next two years roll down the curve pretty well and fairly bulletproof. Like when we look at those, we shrink EBITDA in half, we, sh we blow liquidity out, we trip covenants. Like we do work as if where could we be wrong on this? Um, that's an area I think is a recent, you know, is attractive here, but I don't know that we would chase it at the moment, but uh, I could see us have a, you know, 20% allocation in there at some point. Right. Um, good stuff with that. Uh, Art, um, I'd, I'd like to remind everyone that if you do have any questions for Art, I'd be happy to share them with, I have one question here that directly, cause I know we're running up here up against the clock. So I want to get some of these questions in. Any thoughts on the LQD uh, drawdown last week? Any uh, thoughts on like what happened there? I think there's still a bit of a post-mortem going on there, but I figured maybe being a fixed income manager, perhaps you would have some views or thoughts on that. You're talking LQD, the ETF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes. I think it had, um, yeah. last week, remember it had like, um, I think a quarter of it was redeemed or something or a, a big portion. It was a big portion that, that, that was redeemed. Yeah, so... Um you know, it's interesting since, um, real, really since summer of 20, these ETFs have become very powerful because the street is doing a lot of portfolio trades where they're mirroring the, in, the index. So there's a create and redeem process that can get extreme. Um, we didn't get 100% color, but there was someone that redeemed and basically, a dealer took the opposite side of that. And that's why you saw that drawdown. But the inflows into all, you know, let's say fixed income ETFs last month were pretty significant. So we're seeing, um, not in this strategy, which is our core strategy, but our team in Newport Beach manage about half a billion in structured products. All of that debt hasn't rallied at all. 
So you're looking at four or five year maturity, 60 LTVs trading at 9%. And it tells us that your ETFs are moving, your liquid products moving, your benchmark equivalents are moving, but really everything else just hasn't performed great in the last month. So I think it's more short covering and people just squaring positions around for year end. But um, we'd rather invest in single name than invest in those ETFs right here. I think you can pick up on average 150-ish basis points in yield and actually be in a less drawdown security that's not as susceptible to some of the flows. So, um, you know, yeah, we don't have a position LQD. We did buy some HYG a month ago. You know, that, that's, that's, you know, it's had a decent run, but I mean, not big, three and a half percent position. So we didn't take a, a conviction position. Right. And unfortunately, Art, uh, only have time for one more question, uh, sort of a general knowledge question here. Even though preferred may be issued by an IG issuer, the position, the cap structure doesn't make it high yield. That's the question. I'll let you answer that. Um, some of the preferreds are split rated double B, triple B as a split. Um, most of ours are low triple B to mid triple B. Um, so it does not make it high yield. They, they're issued because on a balance sheet, they're, a, they're considered equity. So if there was ever a restructuring, and granted, look, there are preferreds out there that are triple C, single B. I mean, we don't touch anything like that. These are more, you should think of them what we do as um, first mortgage utility paper, um, mm -hmm. insurance companies, uh, JP Morgan, Bank America. We have, um, you know, British Petroleum. I mean, they're probably the, you know, one of the more secured oil names. I mean, the 10-year double uh, A minus paper in London trades at 3%. I think over here it trades at four and a half. We're in preferreds that yield 8% that have a 400 float. Um, so it, you should think about it more as that. I, I would not say they are high yield risk. They'll move with credit spreads, but um, um, I don't know, just very attractive area. I mean, I'm glad that we've, uh, you know, we've put a white paper out if you're interested in, you know, about a year ago and preferred. So, I mean, we're very uh, efficient in that area. Yeah, yeah, excellent, excellent. Art, thank you. Unfortunately, we, we've, we've run out of time here. It was uh, good to have you on and good to have you introduce the firm as well as your strategy. Uh, for those of you, it's, it's Brahms Hill's the name. Um, they just recently got approved on the platform. Uh, so reach out to the product group uh, if you want to know anything further or you want more information with them. Art, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, happy to have this conversation with you at some point in the future again. Terrific. Thank you for having us. I appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Insignia Financial Group LLC comprises a number of operating businesses engaged in the offering of brokerage and advisory products and services in various jurisdictions, principally in Latin America. Brokerage products and services are offered through Insignia International Financial Services LLC, headquartered in Puerto Rico, and through Insignia Securities LLC, headquartered in Miami. Both are members of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, FINRA, and Securities Investors Protection Corporation, CIPIC. Investment advisory products and services are offered through Insignia Advisory Services LLC, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. In Uruguay, advisory services are offered through Insignio International Asesores de Inversión Uruguay, SA, 
Insignio Asesores de Inversión Latam, SRL, and Insignio Asesores de Inversión de Uruguay, SRL, in Argentina, and through Insignio Argentina, SAU, and in Chile through Insignio Asesorías Financieras, SPA. Collectively, these eight operating businesses make up Insignio Financial Group. To learn more about the broker-dealers, including their conflicts of interest and compensation practices, please go to https colon forward slash forward slash insignio.com forward slash disclosures forward slash or via www.finra.org. To learn about Insignia Advisory Services and any conflicts related to its advisory services, please see its form ADV and brochure, which can be found at, ins at Investment Public Advisor Public Disclosures website, https colon forward slash forward slash advisorinfo.sec.gov forward slash.